Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you love listening to vinyl records but wish you had a better way of storing your collection... Check out Records on Walls. This Canadian company has created a sleek, simple framing design with no glass that allows you to quickly and simply display your records. They're easy to install on any surface. They fit double LPs and gatefolds, and each unit sells for as little as 7 bucks. So if you love your vinyl and want an accessible way of showing it off, check out recordsonwalls.com. Creative Control with Vish Hey, how you doing? This is Vish Khanna checking in for my shift on my show. And, uh, well, that makes it sound like a job, doesn't it? It's not a job. Wouldn't it be great if this was a job? Oh, man. Jobs. Jobs are fun. Anyway, my point is, I have a good show for you today. The other night, Tuesday, September 3rd, I went to the launch of the 20th Annual Guelph Jazz Festival. And uh, the performance that kicked things off was a World Percussion Summit featuring Jesse Stewart and Hamid Drake, who I'm very familiar with and I've seen play many times. They're incredibly gifted percussionists, visionary guys. Uh, they were joined by two other geniuses, uh, Korean percussionist Dong Won Kim and tabla legend Pundit Anindo Chatterjee. It was unbelievable. I, I don't know what to tell you about the program. It was just fantastic. They were playing on their own. They were playing together. And the communication, the chemistry, the proficiency, the skill, it was outstanding. So I went to the show, and the point uh, of me going to the show, other than seeing a great show, was afterwards, I had arranged to meet Jesse Stewart, uh, who's an old friend of mine. He used to live here in Guelph, where I live. Uh, now lives in Ottawa. And we were going to have a chat about him and his life and, and his work. He's got a lot of stuff coming up. And that is basically what happened. And the, uh, the premise was also that hopefully we would be able to connect with Hamid Drake as well because they, they're friends and they've, you know, they have like a mutual admiration. I thought it would be a nice conversation. And that's basically essentially what happens. But then something else happens. You'll see. You'll see what happens. If you stick around for the show, you'll see what happens. Now, also, I should point out that uh, if all goes well, and, and things usually do, uh, I'm going to play you a brand new song from the forthcoming duo record by Hamid and Jesse. The, the record is called Timelines, and uh, yeah, if all goes well, music from that uh, release on the show. So let's let's get to it. 
Everybody loves to eat, right? And some of us even love to cook delicious meals for ourselves, our friends, and our families because it's how we show each other we care. In the best case scenario, we're also thinking a lot about our food, where it comes from, how it's grown and made, and how our dinner might be impacting the world around us. On Saturday, September 14th, the Eden Mills Writers Festival encourages you to have some food for thought. World-renowned food expert Michael Pollan made headlines for his bestseller, The Omnivore's Dilemma, and his new book, Cooked, A Natural History of Transformation, has struck a similar chord. Sarah Elton is a food columnist for CBC, and her new book, Consumed, Food for a Finite Planet, casts an empowering eye on how thoughtful food production can change the world. Michael Pollan and Sarah Elton appear together for an accessible all-ages talk at Rosansky Hall at the University of Guelph at 2 p.m. on Saturday, September 14th. If you care about food and where it comes from, go to EdenMillsWritersFestival.ca for more info and don't miss this rare event. So wait, what are you doing right now, Jesse? Uh, I am just packing up my uh, gear, my percussion, my drum set and percussion gear after a performance with, uh, you know, three wonderful percussionists, Dong Wan Kim from Korea and uh, Pandit Nindo Chatterjee and Hamid Drake, my friend Hamid Drake from Chicago. That was actually one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen. And frequently after Guelph Jazz Festival performances, and I'm not just saying this to blow smoke up there, you know what, but it's true. I often say, like, that was one of the greatest things I've ever seen, <laughs> and it happened again tonight. How did oh, it feel? Well, well certainly is one uh, I think I had just about the most fun that I think I've ever had playing music. I just had so much fun playing with those guys. It seemed like a, an affable group of guys, like very, yeah. like a lot of humor on stage. Yeah, yeah, there was. And uh, yeah, well, we just, uh, yeah, we had a really nice time playing music together and hanging out before the show. And I think we're going to go out uh, shortly too and spend a little bit more time together just uh, kicking back and relaxing. Where did the idea for a world percussion summit come from? Uh, well, that really came from the artistic director of the Guelph Jazz Festival, Ajay Heble. He approached me several months ago. Uh, I mentioned this idea to me, and I, of course, said, I would love to. You know, count me in. I'll do whatever. And uh, I'm not sure at that time if he knew who else necessarily would be involved. I think he had, he had mentioned that Nindo Chatterjee would be in... Uh, in North America at that, uh, you know, at this time, and uh, so he mentioned him, and I was like, "Are you kidding me? I would, of course, love to uh, work with him." And How did you know of uh, Pundit uh, Chatterjee's work exactly? Uh, well, I actually listened to quite a lot of Indian classical music, and so I have uh, numerous recordings that he plays tabla on, and uh, um, so, uh, and I'm of course a great fan of, of his work. And now I have to confess, I, I was less familiar with Dong Wan Kim's work. Um, uh, in fact, all that I really have heard uh, of his previously uh, was his work with uh, the Silk Road Ensemble with the Oyo Ma, and, um, which is extraordinary as well. You know, So that was a real treat, actually, to meet him and play with him and, and get to learn each other, know one another uh, through, uh, you know, through music. Yeah, it was remarkable. You guys were like having a drum, like a percussion conversation. And I don't want to stop you. You keep loading. Okay, keep, I'll, like, keep, I'll, keep I'll just keep up. talking to you because I know... What I just heard is that time is money here in this building. So basically, the longer we just stand here, the more money it costs, I don't know, 
somebody. I guess the Jazz Festival or something. So, no, it doesn't cost me anything as far as I know. Anyway, so, man, you got a lot of stuff. What kind of implements do you use as a as a percussionist? Because you, you have, like, several cases here. Well, I have just a very basic kind of jazz drum set, an old beat-up Sunderland drum set. Uh, but then I have a little small uh, vintage suitcase full of odds and ends, little rattles and shakers and uh, bells and things like that. So I used a little bit of that stuff tonight. And then the other thing I, I used as well is an instrument called the water phone. Um, and a water phone is, is so named for two reasons. One is that the, the man who invented it in the 1960s was named Richard Waters. And also the instrument has water inside of it. So he called it the water That's phone. That's a lucky coincidence. It was a very strange coincidence, yes. And uh, so anyways, I'm one of relatively few people who plays that instrument um, extensively. And um, it gets it, mainly it gets used in like movie soundtracks and the like. So... Uh, but I, I play it quite uh, quite often, and uh, actually, uh, Richard Waters uh, he's made he made four of those instruments for me. And um, is he still with us? No, he passed away just a couple of months ago. Oh, actually. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I was too. So did uh, you get to know him? Yes. Yeah. Well, he he was very supportive of me, it, it, largely because he, I think he liked the fact that someone was you know playing his instrument like an instrument and not just using it for a, a sound effect in movie soundtracks yeah yeah, yeah. so he it's was got a kind of a just for reference it has like a saw quality if that makes yes sense. and and it, and it gets you and yeah, it's got kind of a haunting kind of ethereal kind of sound and uh, so it gets used often in like science fiction movies horror films <laughs> like things like that um like so, an organic theremin or something yes exactly I, yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. It, that's a, a very good way of uh, describing it actually so anyways yeah so i played that uh once as well tonight yeah it was really cool where was where was he from richard uh, he moved around he was living in uh mississippi oh he's an american uh, american, he's american yeah okay, okay. and uh and he for a while he lived on the west coast and he was in hawaii but uh yeah, in the last uh, latter part of his life, he was living in Mississippi. Okay, well, I want to ask you more questions, but you, you just keep putting okay. stuff away. Okay, and okay. if this is too distracting, let me know, because I know it can be hard to conduct an interview. But keep in mind, it's just a casual conversation amongst people who have been hanging out after a show well past it's done, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not a big, serious thing, but I want to help you if I can. But well, I think I almost have it all together here, yeah. just about. So. Okay, yeah, that's uh, good. No, I, that's fine if you don't mind me. Uh, no, I don't mind. I don't mind. We're also maybe going to run into Hamid Drake at some point, just yeah. so people are aware. I don't know if that's actually going to happen. We don't know. This uh, this reminds me a little bit of um, uh, my my one of my main composition teachers um, was a, a American experimental composer named James Tenney. James Tenney, and he um, was quite an interesting. Uh, person for many reasons, not the least of which is he, uh, he was in uh, Paul Philip Glass's ensemble in the 60s. He also was in the Steve Reich ensemble. And for a time, he was in Harry Parch's ensemble. So in terms of American experimental music, he kind of knew everybody. He was very good friends with John Cage. Oh, wow. Anyways, um, there was a percussionist who later stopped playing percussion and, and became a sound artist. But in the 60s, he was playing percussion. His name was Max Newhouse. And uh, there was a piece for Max called Everything Max Has. And the score, all it says is that Max is to bring all of his percussion gear and set it up on the stage. And that's the, that's the performance. <laughs> so this is like the reverse. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> see, that, that's the connection. I understand. You're wondering where I was going with I that. I understand. That's it. So this, is, this could be, on some level, in some world, 
this would be a piece in itself. You just packing up. <laughs> it could be. It yeah, could be. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a very cool. So what? I'm just curious how you graduate uh, from. Uh, I'm going to play a drum kit because that's how drummers start usually. You know, they play a conventional drum kit to having all of these different implements, and some of them are fairly well. They're not conventional, but some of them are percussion things that you would see at a percussion store or whatever. Yes. But some of them are just kind of odds and ends, and I'm just curious. If you can sort of talk about how you move from I a more conventional case to to trying to experiment with different stuff, I can talk about that. I actually uh, I actually did the reverse. I mean, I started like like most kids. You know, I I banged around on pots and pans and buckets and things like that from the time I was about two years old, and um, you know, I, unlike most kids, I just never stopped doing that. You know, and so eventually, you know, I think I was maybe 13 or 14. I got a little practice pad, and then I got a snare drum, and then I got a drum set. Oh, and uh, but uh, but I had been playing on buckets and, and and things like that for many many years before that. So wait, yeah. when when how old were you when you got your first kit? Uh, well, really, I was I think thirteen or fourteen. Okay. Um, yeah, my, uh, my, yeah, I don't know, I can't remember. Thirteen your, or fourteen. Your parents were supportive of yes. your banging and clanging around. Yes. Well, my mother certainly was. I mean, there there was a time in my earlier childhood. Um, when my father lived with us, and he was a drummer as well, and uh, he had a beautiful set of Gretsch drums, but I wasn't allowed to play them. Oh. And uh, what was the thing about that was it kind of fueled my passion for drums that much more. Interesting. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so just so uh, w when he no longer lived with us, uh, yeah, it wasn't too long after that that I uh, got a drum set of my own. Huh. But yes, my my mother was always very supportive. Yeah. So it's interesting. All of this, like the reason we're here tonight, could be that you're just trying to prove to your dad that you know what you're doing and, <laughs> and play yeah. the drums. Well, I don't know about that. I don't want to psychoanalyze you here, but. Uh, that's fairly interesting. Yeah, I had no idea about that. <laughs> so where did you uh, grow up exactly when you were uh, doing this, when you were playing the drums? Oshawa. Oshawa, Ontario. Oshawa, Ontario. What, uh, what brought your family to Oshawa, Ontario? Uh, well, um, my, the Oshawa is a, uh, has uh, been a large a working class town for many years, and my grandfather uh, worked at, uh, in the automotive industry, worked for a... GM? Fact, not GM, oh. but a, a place that made windshields for GM. Okay. And uh, so I think originally work kind of brought them there. And, uh, um, and uh, yeah, so that's where I grew up. And then I came to Guelph in 1993. And uh, as an undergraduate student, where I, and I studied uh, music and also visual art here uh, in those days. And, um, and I, I, I loved Guelph so much that I ended up staying here for 15 years mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, and then just uh, five years ago moved to Ottawa and that's where I'm based now. I, I teach music at Carleton University and uh, live in Ottawa now. That's pretty remarkable. So when you when you say you teach music, what exactly are you teaching? Are you teaching people how to play? Are you teaching people theory? Um, well, I was hired to teach music composition. But I teach a range of things, including um, jazz history, uh, some popular music studies, instrumentation. Uh, this year I taught a course called Improvisation in Theory and Practice. Uh, so I teach kind of a, a number of different types of things. Okay, okay. So you say that you kind of went in reverse from sort of unconventional to conventional. Is that same impulse what uh, drew you to kind of this realm that you're in, this improvised and adventurous experimental realm as it were well I guess I would say that I, I don't really think of um, 
any of this as, as being more or less conventional than anything else. Mm. For me, it's always about sounding and about, uh, you know, sonic exploration. And it's been like that, you know, for as long as I, literally for as long as I can remember. That's what it's been about for me. So whether it's uh, a, a drum set or a cardboard box, which I've played, or a pair of rocks, which I have played, or instruments that I've built. I've built instruments out of stone. I've built instruments out of ice. I've built instruments that use fire, um, wood, metal, a variety of other materials. Um, what are you, card, a, you're cardboard. like a scientist, basically. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. but Well, you're playing music with fire and ice. That's not... That's not easy. Actually, together, believe it or not, I did that one. Have I seen that? Did I, I see that? So. There's a video online of, of it, yes. Okay, but, i got to take that, check yeah. that out. How the yeah. hell did you do that? How do you play music with fire and ice? Well, uh, so uh, in, so I wrote this piece. It, it was commissioned. Uh, the piece was called Glacialis. This was in the year 2009, I think, maybe. And... Um, that, and it was com a joint commission through the City of Toronto and also the Winterlude Festival in Ottawa. And, uh, and basically it was one of these things where I was talking to someone there and, and I said, you know what would be really cool for the Winterlude Festival would be to have a concert where the music's made on instruments made out of ice. And at, at that time, I to be totally honest, I didn't know if that was even possible really. And, uh, but the person I mentioned this to said, great, I want you to do it. And that was that was literally how it came about. And then I found out after the fact there's a guy I think in Norway who who has been doing that for some time. And I didn't know about him prior to that performance huh. actually. But uh, and his music's quite different from my own. But anyway, so I I made instruments out of ice, and and uh, as it turned out, they did resonate. And uh, yeah, we made some interesting music. And one of the things was I made tubes, hollow tubes out of ice, and. Um, I, I put a blowtorch in the end of it, which set up a resonance inside the um, right. inside the tube. Right, it's called a pyrophone. Normally, the tube would be made of metal or some other material, but a pyrophone. A pyrophone, yes. Oh, like a fire fire so sounding device. <laughs> and uh, but of course, the the blow to the flame from the blowtorch melted the the tube as it went, so it got progressively shorter. So the drone actually increases in pitch as oh. you do this thing. So yeah. that was actually kind of a nice effect. So. Um, wow. But I've used I've used blowtorches in in other ways as well, including once in a, in a, a, a beautiful Catholic church that was all made of wood, and uh, <laughs> the, the, the people there were quite nervous. But yeah, uh, I'm it's, nervous it's, just hearing about it's this. It's still standing. There were no no uh, problems. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, do you want me to help you carry something? No, what no, do we no, we got to no, keep no, moving stuff around. Good. We okay. Can, what about uh, your drum kit? I'll get that after. It's, okay. it's okay. We can finish up now. I'm pretty well packed and ready to go, but we'll. Okay, we want to talk you to go, you. Let's, let's go. Let's take a walk and see if we can find Hamid. Find Hamid. Okay. Hey, let's talk a little bit about your uh, connection to Hamid. How long have you known Hamid? Uh, well, probably close to a decade, and and we actually met here in Guelph at the through the Guelph Jazz Festival. Uh huh. And um, I had been a fan of his playing for a long time, of course, and uh, we had said a few times over the years, "Oh, wouldn't it be great sometime to work together." And then this past March, um, that actually came to pass. We uh, we he came to Ottawa. That's and the stayed first time you would have collaborated. That we played together. Yeah, it was oh. this past March, and uh, so he stayed at uh, my place for the better part of a week, and he did some some uh, master classes and things at Carleton where I teach, and we did a couple performances together, and we made a recording that actually comes out on Friday with uh, with any luck. Oh yeah. 
Do you, have you got the physical copies of this thing? No, they they are being delivered on Friday, which is the day of our gig. So that's that's the plan, anyways. It's kind of frightening, isn't yeah. it? All right, I don't see him in this uh, green okay. room. Let's keep walking around here. Okay. Do you want to take this? Why am I holding your mic? I this don't know. I built it for you. I I made you a mic. Oh, thank you. All right. So all right. Jesus. Oh, River Run Center is quite an amazing little building. Yeah, it is actually. It's nice, nice. You played here a few times. Oh, there he is. There he is. There he's he talking is. to Julie. He's talking to Julie from yeah. the Guelph Jazz Festival. Okay. We'll wait till he's done. All right. So, what is it about his playing that sticks out for you? Because, like, you've 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 said very kind things about Hamid over the years. And I'm just curious. What is it about his playing that sticks out? And he's also a frequent uh, guest of the Guelph Jazz Festival. So yes, that's true. Yes. Um, well, I, I mean, there are many things I love about his playing, actually. But uh, one, uh, uh, one of them is, uh, I mean, I, 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 when I listen to him play drums, I, I really feel like I hear kind of the the whole history of uh, not just jazz, but uh, you know, so many things that are kind of connected to the jazz tradition. You know that have have sprung from it and that are connected to it in different ways as he's an um, incredible jazz player but also amazing funk player he's he's also a great reggae player and hip-hop and just about anything else i you mean know, you, and he switches between these you, things yeah. so fluidly and seamlessly that uh, that's something i really respect about his playing and he can play totally out and abstract yeah you know, and, and and again beautifully <laughs> And here he comes. Here hey, he comes we were just hey, talking look, about you. I was saying Hamid. all kinds of nasty things about you, man. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about what a great player you are. Well, I was just telling Julie how when, when I came to Ottawa to play with you, how long it took me to go through immigrations, remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took yeah, like yeah. a really, really, really long time. Yeah, it did, yeah. I was worried you, you weren't coming out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You didn't have that issue coming to Guelph this time? It was so simple, so easy. But what I'm going to do... Um, I was going to get global entry in Chicago, but the Chicago immigrations people told me that since I told them I go to Canada a lot, they said I should get Nexus yeah. here in Canada, yeah. which will allow me global entry in the States, and it's, it's $60 cheaper here. Oh, great. Okay. Good. So are you, good tip. You're, you're yeah. bi- <laughs> this is good. We're getting travel advice. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a good segment. I like it. I like it. So you're based in Chicago? Yes, I am. Chicago, Illinois. I was born in Monroe, Louisiana. Family moved up to Chicago, to the, to the north. <laughs> I was very young, and, um, but I'm, I am based in Chicago. And, and you've been coming to the Guelph Jazz Festival for how long now, would you say? Julie from the Jazz Festival is here in the background. Because I have seen you at least... <coughs> Yeah, Fra- Frank Gritkowski yeah, and Georg. Yeah. But how long ago was that? Then? That was probably 15 years ago. Was it that long ago? Probably, wow. probably close wow. to that. Wow. Yeah, I remember. I remember that show. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was there. <laughs> That's so, before I knew you. <laughs> <laughs> what did you know about the Guelph Jazz Festival before you first got here? Had you heard of it? I mean, I'd heard of it, but I really didn't know much at all. No, I mean, and I'd been coming to Canada, but. Um, I think when I first heard the name Guelph, I kind of laughed. You know, because yeah. it's, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's a Snookerookian name, you know, Guelph. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, you know, it's like this, the, the sound that, you know, your boot is stuck in the mud, that yeah. you're pulling it out of the mud. And so I, 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 I thought it was like some sort of like Gaelic name or something like that. Uh, you know? It's Italian. Is it really? Guelph? I'm pretty sure it's Italian. I didn't know that. No, it's uh, Italian. <laughs> The murky. There's nothing Italian sounding. <laughs> Sorry, like well. no. It's Queen it's Victoria's true. maiden name. No, I thought Queen Victoria had something to do with Italy, and then it was called Guelph. That's what I've always heard. Okay, maybe 
If somebody had a smartphone, we should Google yes, this. Yes, that's right. There is, there is a way we could find out rather though. quickly, actually, isn't it? Sure, it has something to do with, with Italy. And, you know, we got a bit of a mafia thing here. There's like a history. There's some Italian stuff going on. I mean, I don't need to tell you you're from Chicago. <laughs> well, they're, they're, you know, you gotta, they're everywhere. You know, the mafia, you know. But now it's the Russian mafia you got to watch out for. Yeah, this is taking anyway. a weird turn. Things we didn't expect to talk about. <laughs> so you've been a frequent guest of this festival. What is it that, that keeps you coming back? Well, for one, um, um, through the, the kindness of my, my friends here that, that, um, that, run and, and, and operate the festival, they, they, they keep inviting me back, you know. I mean, <laughs> but, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always happy to, to be here. And I think one of the things that, that I love about this festival is that uh, Guelph is a beautiful town, for one. And also, this festival, they offer a lot of different things. And I also like the idea that they, they have these symposiums going on where people get a chance to come together to talk about the music and and listen to people speak who um, either know a lot about the music through their academic studies or through playing or through both. And, you know, you get a chance to ask questions, you know, and stuff like that. Also, the other unique thing about this festival is that um, there, there are morning shows, you know, which which I think are really, you know, fantastic. And the, the, the smaller events, I wouldn't call them like, uh, satellite, you know, um, concerts, but because they, they are part, they're in the area where the festival is going on. And also, um, there's the, 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 um, the newer events that are happening now too. How is it pronounced? Uh, Nuit Blanche. Nuit Blanche. I think that's a fantastic idea to, you know, to uh, have concerts, you know, like continual music. In fact, Jesse was telling me about um, one that he did where he played for 12 straight hours. You know, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that, but I wouldn't either. Like a great idea, Never again. Though. 12 so, hours you played? Yeah, the first year, yeah. It sounds I, fantastic. Yeah. I, play, I played literally all night. Did it involve a blowtorch and some ice? No, <laughs> it involved a giant bowl of water. Oh. A massive bowl of water. Did you play the four, water phone? Uh, I did. Okay. And I had, so I had set up a kind of art installation with dripping water into this bowl, this acrylic bowl that was about four feet in diameter so that this is amazing actually that an art gallery would let me bring like 80 gallons of water mm -hmm. into mm -hmm. the middle of the gallery and mm -hmm. then hang a hang a hung a glass cone above that dripped into the water yes, and then uh, and then there were lights projected onto the water so when the water droplet hit the concentric mm -hmm. waves were projected onto the walls and so I sort of treated that like getting all that that's that's you know, amazing. He, he talks, I process it later. <laughs> I try to figure out what it is. It's like all riddles right now, but I'm going to think about it. Yeah, anyway, so yeah. I, I guess, no, I, I decided that, uh, uh, you know, I thought, I'll try this once in my life where I play literally all night. So I played from sun, sunset to sun up. This was at Max Stu? It was at Max Stu upstairs in the, the, the McDonald's Street Arts Center, upstairs in the sort of back space. And uh, yeah, so I played all night. And, and amazingly, it, there was, I was telling Hamid earlier, there were people that came. All night. Like, I don't know that there was ever a time where I was alone. Can I you swear. There's people there 12 hours? 12 hours. That's like, 4.30 you know? in the morning. Like, you know, sometimes there would be two people. 
some, but sometimes it'd be 20 people. And uh, so I played, yeah, I played water, phone. I played actually the water itself. I played, uh, you know, I also floated things in the water that I would play and uh, stuff like that. But yeah, no, I played all night and I will never do it again. <laughs> it was very, it was lit, it was really consciousness altering actually. Yeah, yeah, It no. was uh, after about five or six hours, I was, I yeah. Did you ever different. work night shifts at any job? I used to do Ma that. Many times, yeah, that. many yeah. times. Messes yeah. with you. Yeah. Totally yeah. messes with your whole like yeah. life. Yeah, eventually life. you get used to it. But <laughs> it's bad. It's bad for you. They say it's bad for you. Yeah, I, I would believe that. But it, it. I mean, this. It's. A, it was different. So it was much different. Say, you know, I did uh, my, you know, share of shifts at a factory. You mm -hmm. know, through the mm -hmm. night. And yeah, that it does mess with you. But this mm -hmm. messed with me in a different way, mm -hmm. and not entirely negative way either. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. it was. Uh, but it. Uh, yes, but no. By the morning, I was in a very. A headspace that I don't know that I've ever yeah. been in before. Yeah, you know, sure. it's very yeah. uh, really did affect, yeah. Yeah. you know, affect no, me. That that sounds remarkable. I, I should say I left. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. After the 11th hour. I was there <laughs> for most of it, but I uh, had yeah, to fail. Right. But the, the idea of just having continual music, I think, you know, yeah. it's really... It's, it's well, um, all through the city, there was music all night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's really, uh, it's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's one of the bold new initiatives, I suppose, of the Guelph Jazz Festival at this point. Um, this World Percussion Summit, I was watching you guys tonight. It was one of the most remarkable. I already told Jesse, it's one of the most amazing things I've seen. You. Can you talk a little bit about the preparation you would uh, would have had for this thing? Would have had? <laughs> if I, I say would have had, because it's theoretical. What kind of preparation did you have for this uh, pre for this summit? Well, I, I, I think the, the, the primary preparation was the, the mutual respect that we all had for each other. You know, I mean, that, that was the most important thing um, after, you know, being invited to do it, okay? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I think uh, every, every, each musician is very well-versed and grounded in what they do, and, um, and each musician had uh, a familiar... Fami familiarity with um, the t traditions, you know, kind of of each other. And um, I, I think um, also th there was um, a type of um, expectancy, you know, of just, I, I really feel that we, we, we actually felt and knew that we were going to have a good time, you know. 
Um, well, we said we actually yeah. said that ahead of time. Yeah, we, we said, said it ahead you of time. know, we're going to have a lot of fun tonight, and, and, and we we did. <laughs> and and kind of like setting a, a groundwork or ground plan or having a formula to work with wasn't very difficult, you know, for us. And I think we we all approached it in a very natural, you know, sort of um, sort of way. You know. uh, w one thing maybe we should say is that like, Hamid and I have worked together once mm -hmm. before. You were saying in March. Yes, in March. That's right. But I'd, I've never met uh, Anindo Chatterjee or Dong Wang Kim mm -hmm. uh, prior to today. I, I, don't I know hadn't met them either, but I was familiar with, you know, I mean, I was definitely f I was familiar with their work. Yeah, never, never same here. Yeah, same. Yeah. How At this point in your trajectories, because you've both been doing this for quite a long time, what what do you what is the sensation you have when you go out on stage to do something like this that you've never done before with people you've never worked before? Can you kind of articulate that for people? Because I, I don't think a lot of people can get into that headspace of like, they're just gonna. Because on some level, people are like, oh, well, they're just gonna get up and jam. But there's more to it than that, right? Mm -hmm. It's a it's a more intricate dynamic, and I'm wondering if it's possible for you to articulate that in some way. Um, well, if, I mean, for me, it was really. I mean, I just felt a lot of joy mm. <laughs> playing mm -hmm. music with those yeah. guys like yeah, that was yeah. what it that was what yeah, was going through my yeah. my mind <laughs> i try, i don't you know think a whole lot about what i'm doing or what's happening i really try to listen mm -hmm. you know and listen to what the other other musicians are doing and um and then just yeah i mean people say this all the time mm. and it's to the point that it's become almost a cliche but mm. it's kind of true like this idea of just you know not you know people say you know you, you don't play the music you let the music play you or you mm -hmm. let the music flow through you mm -hmm. and uh, again it's almost a cliche to say that but it's kind of true it's true it's yeah, true yeah. especially you know uh, you know when things are for me anyways those are the mm -hmm. most satisfying mm -hmm. kinds of uh, experiences and this was definitely one of those yeah. for me you know where I wasn't thinking about wasn't analyzing it I was just feeling just blissful mm -hmm. and enjoying listening to uh, these other one, you know, these mm -hmm. wonderful musicians. I was and, hearing and kind of appreciative noises coming right. from all <laughs> yes. of you. Yeah. I was hear, I was watching you kind of <laughs> beam at each other, you know, and that's kind of a magical thing too to yeah, see people sure. kind of, you know, embracing this, the, the joy of, yeah. of playing with one another. And yeah. it, it is, is there been situ have there been situations that come to mind where that doesn't happen and you're in that same situation? Where that doesn't happen? Where, where you don't actually have that kind of connection that you're talking about, and things aren't right, but you have to kind of soldier on. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I've had that experience. I, I don't want to mention any, but yeah, that's, that's happened for sure. Yeah, of course. But well, I, I think Jesse's right, though, when he talks about us not overthinking it, and I think that was the advantage that we had. Also, yeah. so there have been some situations that I've personally been involved in where the mu we have like just thought too much yeah, yeah. about the music, especially like unless they improvise, you know, situation where what you're talking about, you know, um, where it didn't maybe gel like that has happened. You know, then there's other times where you do really have to think a lot about the music, you know, because. Um, you know, the, the music is, is being expressed in another way. I mean, like the, the, the project that Jesse's going to be doing with the string quartet, you know, he has to put a lot of thought into that, you know, because he's composing music for the quartet and everything. So a lot of thought, you know, um, conceptuality does have to go into that, you know. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that it won't be as joyous either, <laughs> you know. <laughs> One can hope. I can describe one concert that was memorable to me, that where it, 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 there really there really wasn't a sense of of 
communication at all, but with, with one of the other musicians. And uh, this was a performance of the musician from Texas. Uh, his name's Sterling, but the, the, he, he has released something on the order of 80-some-odd records under the mm. name of Jandek. And uh, oh, he's, he's a notoriously yeah. reclusive musician. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, up until a few years ago, no one had ever seen him. And uh, so, But he's done a handful of concerts over the past few years, and I, I performed with him. And um, it, it was a very interesting experience, actually, because uh, he doesn't really let... He didn't, I felt like he really didn't let me, you know, take... And there were no defaults. And I don't know that he responded to anything that I played. Uh, at all, so it became kind of two. I responded to things that he was doing, but it really became a kind of almost two parallel streams of music. And there was a third mm-hmm. musician too, mm-hmm. Nicole Marcheseau. And um, but it, I would I wouldn't say it was it was a, a very interesting experience and and uh, and actually very satisfying in its own way. I mean, it was interesting music that resulted from that. But it's a very different approach to improvised music. Was it satisfying because it was instructive? In, in, a, in a sense, and that you, you kind of experienced something that didn't quite go the way you wanted it to? Yes, I guess that was interesting. And the music that resulted, this kind of, as I say, this parallel kind of improvisation, um, you know, I thought the music was quite interesting, too. And he was, he's a very interesting individual, actually. You yeah. know? And I felt, you know, I was quite happy to have, uh, have, have met him and had spent some time with him and made music with him. So, uh, yeah, so I don't know if he ever put that out. He's, as I say, he's released a mountain of recordings. I don't know if that one ever was released or not. I'm not sure. Hmm. Uh, earlier, Jesse and I were speaking of you, Hamid, and he spoke very kindly of you, and we were just kind of marveling at you as a, as a guy who does what you do. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about your background uh, in terms of how you got started and, and how you have, t- you know, what's, what's brought you to this point as a player? Hmm. Well, yeah, I've, yes, I'll speak about that. But also, I want to just say, add something on what Jesse just said too. That it, because there there is a school of, of of improvising where the musicians really don't focus on what the other musicians are doing. Mm. You know, they're each in their own stream, and it's not about you know A trying to play with B and B trying to play with C. They they're just in their own space, and that's how they do it. You know, and it's just. Um, and sometimes very mm-hmm. interesting music. Some, something is, can, you know, can happen. Yeah. I mean, Derek Bailey comes mm-hmm. to mind as mm-hmm. a very kind of linear yeah. in his approach mm-hmm. to improvisation. I mm-hmm. never worked with Derek. Do you ever work with Derek? No, I've never worked with no, him. Me no, me neither. I've never worked with him no. before he passed. No. I would have, uh-uh. would have liked to have. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, he was very linear. I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that he didn't respond to anything that mm-hmm. his co-performers did, but, but really a very linear kind of approach mm-hmm. and very interesting music very that was, interesting was music. you know, that he was making. Well, it's... But that was part of the intention there, was to have these kind of parallel streams. Especially his early work with Gavin Bryars and, mm-hmm. and Tony Oxley, I think mm-hmm. that was. They talked about that. I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a, a, a conscious um, decision. Well, when you listen to Cecil Taylor and Tony Oxley play yeah. together, it's kind of like that too. Yeah, well, you yeah. Know, they're like, you know. Yeah, it's you know. it's like a counterpoint. Mm-hmm. It's counterpoint. Yeah. Point and counterpoint. It's like the the vibe on stage from you guys tonight was collegial. Like you guys yes. clearly were gonna. Uh, you were there for to support each other. Mm-hmm. What you're describing is kind of a deliberate tension, almost. Well, not necessarily. Mm. Like it, not, it's it's not necessarily mm. a, an interpersonal tension, mm. right? Uh, it, it it might result in musical tension, mm-hmm. but that can be productive and and you know uh, it sounds like useful. E- it sounds like egos involved in the, in what the, the scenario you're. Describing. 
describing that? I can I can say in the case of of uh, the musician known as Jandek, uh, there's, I don't think it's ego at all. I mean, people have speculated about this. It's not. That's him. He's a very shy individual, and uh, he doesn't uh, acknowledge the audience at all. He just comes out. He plays. He stands up. He leaves. And he leaves. Yeah. And. Um, it's it's not an act, and it was it's not ego. Kind of like uh, Miles Davis. Yeah, yeah. In that case, it might have been ego. <laughs> right, I think yeah. that might have been Getting ego. Go- goodbye, oh, goodbye, Doug. Are you gonna Are you going to the uh, the Albion? Uh, no. No. Okay. We're gonna save the tickets and go. You're gonna save it. Okay. Yes. Oh, okay. I'm gonna Another do a time. concert tomorrow. We're dying at twelve when it comes to. Oh, you. please come. Please oh, yes. Okay. There, I think we probably should because I still have my I still have my drums in the should other room. Moving? Why don't we keep moving? Okay. Well. Okay. I got. I. I, I, I got think time. they're gonna be. They. They are gonna be building the festival okay, for this. Right, so. We're gonna keep going. Most expensive <laughs> interview ever. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just have. I have more questions. That's all it is. But yeah. Maybe we could maybe. Well, how, how about you talk? That can be, that can be a problem. Yeah. We got to wrap it up. I'm going okay. to. Okay. 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 But thank you, V. Yeah, no, thanks, Jesse. Just, I, nice I will try to, to help you, you more. There, there's stuff coming. Okay. I need you to tell me about all the things you're doing, by the way, before you go. If we get to be continued, maybe. We'll mention one thing, and that is on Friday night, Hamid and I are going to be performing as a duo. This will be the second time. And that will be at the Guelph Jazz Festival. It's a late night event on a double bill with a cool band from Montreal called Esmerine. It's an 11.30 start. I think we're on first. We are okay, and uh, so eleven thirty p.m. and it's in the basement of St. George's Anglican Church. Okay, and this is part of the Guelph Jazz Festival. And so Hamid and I are going to do a percussion duo on Friday night, and that and with uh, with any luck, we will have uh, have copies of our CD, which are due to arrive that day, uh, to uh, available for people as well. So I, I'm certainly looking forward to that. Okay, thanks, yeah. Jesse. Okay, you go. Okay, tonight. All right. Yeah, thank that, you. Okay, and we thank could you. talk more maybe. You want to talk more later? Yeah, I mean, but in the next day or so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, this is a thing that's going to be out by the time, you know, that's why I was trying to get some more stuff, but mm-hmm. it's fine. Well, I mm-hmm. appreciate your mm-hmm. time, and thank you for being on my show. But you're going to be around, right? I am going to be, be around, around, but we got to get out of here because it's costing yeah, everyone I mean, money. You know, later, you know, in the next day or so, we can talk yeah, some Yeah, sure. More. Thanks, yeah. Hamid. Mm-hmm. Thank, thank you so you. much. You got a lot of questions. That's I know. Good. I got I got questions. <laughs> So there you go. Not the cleanest ending to uh, an interview that I've done on the uh, show thus far, but that's okay. What are you going to do? These things happen. They were out of time, and we had to get the hell out of there. So we did. That's all there is to it. I want to mention that the Guelph Jazz Festival is happening September 4th uh, to 8th, technically, even though it started on the 3rd, really, when you think about it with that World Percussion Summit. And uh, you can get more information about the 20th anniversary edition at GuelphJazzFestival.com, and I urge you to do that. It's great. And right now, music by Jesse Stewart and Hamid Drake from their forthcoming release, Timelines. This is a song called Duo, Do Unto Others.
Hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. to 20 years now, Joel Plaskett has been writing music that's smart enough to keep you listening to songs with meaning waiting to be discovered, while also rocking you into enough of a frenzy, ah, you just want to make a little noise. Halifax's favorite son returns to Guelph after a triumphant headlining set at the 2012 Hillside Festival, and he's coming back with his awesome band. Yes, the Joel Plaskett Emergency play the River Run Center on Friday, September 13th as part of the 25th annual Eden Mills Writers Festival. They'll be joined by the fantabulous Jim Guthrie and also Bedini Band, whose Dave Bedini will be doing a reading from his new book, Keon and Me, My Search for the Lost Soul of the Leafs. For tickets and more info about this accessible all-ages concert, please visit the River Run Center box office, riverrun.ca, and edenmillswritersfestival.ca. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.